And welcome back. It is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. It sounds a little bit different because we're doing this in front of some of our favorite people. Yeah. Uh, In Houston, Texas, we are at a coffee shop and enjoying some coffee so that we can stay awake and talking about good stuff that matters. Because this is, we're, we're doing this, what is it? What time is it? Yeah, what is it? Uh, We've had a long work day. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we're putting our best foot forward and any time of day we're supposed to love well. So what do you got, Carter, about love? This is the all play. Because we've yeah. talked marriage. We've talked dating. Singleness. singleness. Dating. Now this is like, this, and I think all of them get woven together with this last one, loving your neighbor. Who's ever thought of their spouse or dating person? Mm-hmm as a, a neighbor, but yeah. Yeah, this is anybody. Uh, and, for, and first of all, I do want to say we're here at a second cup and let's give a, uh, a shout out to them because they do love their neighbor. Uh, proceeds go to help fight human trafficking. So oh, wow. we can all give a round of applause for that. Yeah. So, you know, where do you start? Uh, it was something that we joked about earlier was um, you, you tell your kids, you know, if you've had the conversation at church or you're growing up and, and you say, you got to love our neighbor. And if they get technical, well, who technically is my neighbor? Who do, who do I not have to be nice to because I don't like certain people? And really, I don't know if we grow out of that all the time. You know, no. you become, you have a coworker with somebody and then all of a sudden it's like, you know what? I'm going to not invite you to things because I don't really care for the way that you, you live your life. Yeah, I want to talk about that but do you want me to do it now oh you're gonna oh you're is this an errands of grievances well, no, I, <laughs> no it is interesting though from childhood mr rogers if you ever watched mr rogers and now the more current daniel tiger's neighborhood everybody was your neighbor yeah so yeah. he implemented this this very biblical principle and i think it's in uh, leviticus that it's first established to love people as yourself and it's actually quoted back when we're going to talk about the Good Samaritan uh, here in a second. And I don't want to like glaze over things and just assume people know what I'm talking about. But um, yeah, everybody is our neighbor, according to Mr. Rogers. And that doesn't go out of style. No, Mr. Rogers never goes out of style. His cardigans are yeah. forever. <laughs> the hipsters really, really grabbed onto that a yeah. few years ago. Yeah. And uh, so are you going to start with the thing? Yeah. So let me, let me t- talk about this because I think, you know, how does it look? How, how do we, we know to be nice, we know to love, what does that look like? And an unconventional way for me was in the, in the midst of pain in the last couple of weeks. Uh, my wife and I, we had uh, our dog Benson from uh, about the year we got married and he passed away a couple of weeks ago and it was sooner than we thought. And it, it stinks. Uh, you know, I wouldn't put it on like a level 10 of, you know, losing a, a human being. But if you've had dogs or pets in your family, it's hard. They're, they are part of the family. And I think that one thing that really grabbed my attention in the midst of pain it, were, it was the people around me because th- they were just willing to talk about it. And I, I, I kind of equate it to, you know, when we go home and you have this empty spot on the couch, and it's just like, man, that's the worst. Um, it's, you're, you're kind of there like when you're a kid, and there's the monster under the bed, or you're afraid of the dark. But as soon as you go out of that room into the light, and you sit on your mom's lap, it's like the monster can't get to you. And I, I think there's an element of grief that is like that, where I was talking about something that was incredibly sad to my friends and family, but just them listening really meant the world to me, where I... I, I don't know, it's kind of a weird thing to say I felt safe, but I, I really did. I really felt like that the, the, the emptiness of it, of the pain, wasn't there when I was able to just chat about it. 
And I don't even think they necessarily, they were just listening, you know, I mean, it was, it was, it was pretty common, but I will, I will always remember that. And it will always fuel me to do that in the future for whatever somebody's going through that. And uh, I think where it can start in loving our neighbor is simply listening. And we've heard that a lot over just differences over the past few years, politically and, and culturally of just simply listening, I think is maybe the most basic place to start. Yeah. And I, I, I think you find out how to be a good neighbor by listening. Yeah, yeah that's we go, true. We go in with grand ideas and it has to look a certain way. And I, even this establishment that has, uh, perhaps it started small when they decided, hey, we want to put some proceeds towards helping human trafficking is such a big subject, such a big problem that we have. How in the world are we going to cause a dent in the problem? Yeah. And little by little, and I think we, we have to take those bite-sized moments because it does come back down to the simplicity of a listening friend or um, somebody who bought you a cup of coffee or it could be just that simple. Yeah. Um, so I kind of want to talk about a cultural, it wasn't an experiment, it's this really smart guy, smarter than us. Edward T. Hall was his name and he was a smart dresser too. I saw a picture of him, he had an overcoat and this weird hat and uh, he went around the world and he discovered how cultures respond to people in their space. And so if you've ever heard of the term personal space, this is the guy that came up with, hey. He invented it. You're in my person, well, oh, he yeah. recognized it. Yeah, okay, sure. Personal space. So like intimate space, this is intimate. I'm gonna get really close to Carter. Okay, this, this is, is right this intimate close. space. Okay, fantastic, and that's we demonstrated. It's super <laughs> uncomfortable. And then there's the, and usually like, unless it's a, a friend or a, your child or a spouse or something, you don't invite people into your intimate space. Unless through that bully that took you out by the lockers that one time. Wow. You yeah, know? thanks for that flashback. So, yeah. sorry. And, but you were inside the locker. <laughs> that's true. Anyway. I didn't have much space to work with. <laughs> <laughs> then there's the personal space. So that's like a, a foot and a half out. That's intimate. Then you go personal. That's maybe four feet out. That's still personal. And apparently, even if we're not, we're not uh, hugely aware, at least on a, some sort of subconscious level, if somebody enters that realm of your personal space, you are hugely aware that they're there. Yeah. Like whether it's peripheral or oh, they're a little close. Or I would imagine some people in here that you're sitting next to somebody that you don't know. Yeah, you are <laughs> aware. So the social space is probably where you and I are to each other and pointing at this lovely woman sitting drinking her coffee. And then um, there's the public space. But it is interesting, you kind of size each other up from your own little space areas. And he, his experiment started teaching us how we differ in terms of urban culture versus rural oh, sure. culture. So if you're in an urban situation, you're stacked up on top of each other, really close to one another, don't have much elbow room. So you really aren't allowed the luxury per se of like driving home, closing your garage and not having to talk to your neighbor. Yeah. Yeah, you're on a bus next to somebody potentially or a subway or yeah 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 but the problem that can come about from being so squished even though you might find people you're more alike and might even band together and be cliquish with is that there's you discover so many more subdivisions sub groups mm. if you will and um it, division is one of those things i think that comes up in our brains when it when we think of neighbors, well, that person's not my neighbor. Sure. And I, they're over there. Yeah. And I'm here. Well, I've heard the garage is the worst enemy of the neighborhood. 
Because you you pull into the garage and you don't have to talk to your you don't you don't have to get to know your neighbor. But if I'm really honest, I have pulled up so close in my garage that I can close it before getting out of my car, <laughs> so then I can walk around yeah. the car and get in my house because I just don't feel like talking that day. So I, I'm not going to point fingers. I'm been that. Well, person. I know there are certain days that are like that, but just if that's the consistency, we've seen how maybe we've grown apart as a people because. You go to work, you go home, you do Netflix, you go to bed, you don't get to know your next door neighbor or anybody around you. So who is our neighbor? This is a topic that Jesus broaches. And I think if we're gonna talk about, we have to go to the source. I've discovered when I moved here, cause I'm not a sports person, and please don't hold that against me. I just, even my dad and my mom came here and visited not too long ago. And we're sitting there and we're watching the Super Bowl. And my mom was like, she said, I have to get up and, and, and use the facilities. I said, okay. Are you really watching this anyway? She said, I like the colors. <laughs> I said, I'll watch the colors for you, yeah. Mom. But uh, so anyway, I discovered the, the crazy when it comes to rivalry. Sure, yeah. And I got hissed at for the first time in my life. Hissed yeah. at when it came to, this is a horrible thing that I'm going to admit. I've okay. admitted it before. But when I saw one of my friends with KSBJ was wearing a Longhorns hat, and I didn't know the difference between the Longhorns and an Aggie. Oh, my. And I, oh my. I know, I know. Ah, wow. And I said, oh, you're an Aggie. And he's... Oh, what did he do? He actually, I think it was just the grace of God that came down because he didn't <laughs> say anything. Didn't say anything. But then we had a Cast and Crowns concert at Texas A&M. Yeah, and what you And do? then I was like, hey, this is such a silly story. And then they hissed at me when I told them what I'd done. <laughs> The Christian audience. The Christian audience. <laughs> but obviously that's kind of a fun situation. Sure. Sometimes yeah. then you hear the stories where it goes crazy. Like w when the yeah. Chicago Bulls won the championship with Michael Jordan. You remember that one time the cars got overturned? That's happened many a times, yeah. Crazy things have happened, obviously, with sports rivalries. Well, imagine, uh, we don't really have to, unfortunately, nowadays. We, we see a lot of divide in our nation anyway over a lot of different things. But this, this meets all the isms culturalism, racism, uh, social statusism, all the, the isms. And it's like he picked the one that if you're telling the story, which he was, you would hiss at this character. Mm. Maybe, maybe, maybe not as comical as what happened to me, but yeah, yeah. when he's telling this story, he says, there's a man. Immediately, we think the man is going to be the hero of the story. We assume the man is a Jewish man, as all the people in the audience more than likely are of Jewish descent. And he is walking on this road. This road is a very common known road. Give me a bad road in Houston. I don't want to say. Okay. Because <laughs> so, somebody's going to say, I live on that road. That's right. You think of the worst back alley, wherever it is that sure. you live, who's yeah. listening, and you think that's the road that you don't want to be traveling on. It's just there's desert all around there's nobody around for days yeah and so that's the road this guy's got to travel down and the worst happens of course there's no vehicles to speed on and do you know fast and furious it's just a donkey and he gets overtaken he gets mugged he's beat up he's left for dead well so i guess he's not the hero of the story so, well then maybe this next guy's going to be the hero of the story and he's a leader in the church but if you know anything about jewish law perhaps it's custom and that he would be unclean if you touched the guy to help him so he passes by. Maybe that's one of the reasons. Or 
the next guy that comes along who's a part of the church, maybe he's late to a church function or something. I got to be about the business of God. That's way more important than this. So he passes by. These are the two people that of all the people should be stopping to help their brother. Yeah. And he's not. Yeah. Right. So then a Samaritan comes by. This is a person that doesn't have the same faith. This is that person, it, it literally, because the Samaritans were only part Jewish and they were considered half-breeds. They were less than people, but they had their place to worship God and the Jewish people had their place to worship God. And of course, who do you think knew best? Yes, right? Both of them mm -hmm. knew best. Sure. So their cultures clashed. It was awful. It was ugly. And yet this guy sees a person in need, doesn't think twice. He takes out the elements of oil and wine and pours them out on his wounds. And these were expensive things. So he took it. It's like if you've ever passed a person on the street and you think about the lunch that you just got and you have second thoughts about passing it through the window. I'm not looking down on you, by the way, if you don't at all. But I'm just saying if you feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to do something, it's like, oh, I was going to eat that. Mm. You know, this guy had wine for his own purpose. This guy had oil for his own purpose. But now he's used it for a different one. Yeah. On top of that, he puts him on the donkey and takes him to the hotel. So he saves him from a set of circumstances where he would have died. And then he takes him to a hotel, which more than likely was in the Jewish area. So he was despised there too. Then he opens a tab, yeah. keeps it open, where he could have been totally swindled out of his money, possibly. Because he says, look, here's the money that I have right now. If he needs more, I'll come back and pay the tab later. Yeah. Jesus then tells, well, he asks this question. And the guy, you know, the greasy guy, he knows he's trapped because he knows the question that's coming. Who then was the neighbor? Right. And this guy doesn't, he can't even get the word Samaritan out of your mouth, out of his mouth. Can you ever, maybe that person that just drives you crazy, <laughs> can't even say their name. And he says, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus says, then you need to do that too. So the very beginning of the story, we understand right away, this guy thinks there's two groups of people, one who's deserving to be my neighbor, one who's not. Right. And Jesus puts, he just puts all of that, he just puts a wrench in that works right away. Forget that. Yeah. And we hear later on him actually put them on the same level of the two greatest commandments, to love God, to love your neighbor as yourself, they are one, and the, they should be considered, if you are loving your neighbor well, then you are loving God well. These are people made in my image. You would do well to love them well. And if I'm loving God well, then I'm automatically going to be loving people well. Yeah, our love for God fuels loving people. And we do live in a, a culture where, you know, social justice and, uh, you know, just movements that are, are good. But if we're not if, if we're not looking to, because it can turn into a, a thing of it just impressing people, it rather than, and, and doing this too. Yeah. And, and so that's where it, it's got to be fueled from. Our love for God fuels our love for people. And I think an element of that story that really sticks out with what, what happened to me the other day, perhaps uh, some of the people that passed by the guy that was mugged had stuff to do because, hey, that's, that's our culture, too. We're really busy. Well, they were going to love God. They were going to go love God. Right. Yeah, exactly. Which it's Jesus true. was like saying, no, that was not. <laughs> it should fuel this. You right. didn't pass the test there. But the other day, I'm at HEB, uh, walking in. And do you, do you like the, the big cart or the small cart? I like the small cart because you 
Yeah. It's like you're driving a Mack truck when you're driving the other one. Yeah. Yeah. You just go in and out with a compact car. I've been car. spoiled. I've been spoiled because you get you get to that aisle with the structural support beam, and man, you can't get around with that big cart. It's just not gonna work. So I like I when it's a, you know when it's not a. Or you get the one where the two toddlers can fit in there because it's the last <laughs> cart. Oh man. Oh, that's that one's rough. You ain't getting anywhere with that. Um, so I like the small cart, and I'm walking up, and of course it's cold. And uh, this guy is getting real choosy with the cart that he's going to take. You know, he's sitting there and he's like, eh, take, push one back and then, and then another one back. And I'm like, man, you can't, they can't all have a bad wheel. But I'm sitting here going, I, whatever this is, I don't want anything to do with this. And so I just go get a big cart like I don't like. And I'm in the store. I'm doing my thing. And then I see the guy in the store. He does not have a small cart. He's in the motorized one. For You're a, person. a horrible, horrible person. I felt that way. I feel that way again, <laughs> interestingly enough. Why don't you hiss me, honestly? Um, and, and I, there was a lesson, well, you know, I didn't know, but, there, but there's obviously a lesson to be learned to slow down, take the blinders off, observe a little bit. I err on the side of not getting in people's business. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said about that too. I don't want to be super nosy. At the same time, I could have just waited. You could have waited. I could have waited patiently. Absolutely. And then I would have seen a situation maybe, hey, let me help you out and love my neighbor instead of loving my own schedule. Yeah. Loving my own things to do. Got to get this done. So what? So I can get back to my couch? Well, see, you, it, the, I think we learned from the, the story of the Good Samaritan, we can't do this on our own. Yeah. I think Jesus pointed out the fact that you guys cannot do this. And actually, it's, it's maybe a week or so out from him actually going to the cross himself for us. Hmm. So... We are that man dying by the road. We are needing to accept the love of Jesus in that moment as the person that you're not expecting in the story to be the hero. Mm, and he's yeah. telling that to that teacher, the greasy guy. Um, and he is the one who not only gives us what we need to save us, but then goes above and beyond and does the grace aspect of you don't have to do anything to receive my love and my help. And, yeah. and he puts us up in the hotel of the Holy Spirit. So that whatever we need down the road after he's already done the saving. Mm, wow, yeah. He's still paying the price. I've never heard it put that way. Well, I don't want to toot my own lip. There we go. <laughs> but anyway. There it is. There it is. <laughs> but I, I think it's so important that we recognize the hero in the story is the least likely person and that Jesus is like almost comparing himself to that person. I can't do these things in my own strength. I'm going to fail every time. I'm not going to be patient enough for the cart guy. I'm not going to be patient enough. This police officer, look, I have love and respect for our police officers, and I'm smiling away at this guy. I'm driving here tonight. <laughs> This is so embarrassing. He is guiding me through a school zone that I'm not used to driving through. If you are related to a police officer, you know perhaps the, the struggle it must be on a daily basis to deal with people, right? And how they don't understand. You're signaling them to go into this lane and flagging that person to get over in this way. And here I am, your girl. And I'm just like, hey, police officer. <laughs> <laughs> And he's trying to get me to go over here, but I'm super confused by what he's doing with his hands. And I just sit there like, you want me to stop? And he screams, I kid you not, right by the hood of my car. So he's only feet away from me. He's in my personal space. Yeah, yeah. He's feet away from me and he screams, go! <laughs> and he's got this look on his face that I'm like, I'm not used to. Sure. People yelling. I work with a very nice person. Yeah, I never yell. He doesn't yell at me. 
my husband does not yell at me. I'm very blessed. Perhaps maybe you, if you're in construction or something like that, you have a mean boss or something. People yell at you. You're used to, I, I was wounded a little bit. I'm like, I'm like, he yelled at me. And then I said, I gave him this look of like, I'm sorry, with the biggest expression. And I drove on and immediately, probably because I saw it exemplified before me as a child with my parents and how gracious they've always been, started praying for that guy. Okay, I could get mad about this. Could he have been nicer? Absolutely. Guy yeah. is making sure people aren't dying. Yeah, yeah. And here I am. You, you, you have my feeling. I got nailed it. <laughs> so I'm, Lauren, I want to put him in that circle of prayer. And perhaps your your hurt, your wound is legitimate. Like it's not even silly. It's legit. Sure. But if I find if I'm putting people in my prayer, I start... I, you can't not love a person you're praying for. Mm. You start to sympathize with them on levels. You're just like, Lord, what are they going through? What, what would maybe make them feel this way? And so now I'm thinking of them as a neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. That, that person I'll probably never see again screaming at me and saying, go. I don't know what his day's like. There was a, a story, another story from, from Jesus that, <clears throat> you know, blows your mind when you think about it. It's in, uh, what is it? Matthew 18. And uh, there was this guy that had a big debt to the king, and he can't pay it. And the guy begs to the king, and he's like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and the king's going to put him in jail. And the king sees the man pleading and forgives his debt. So the guy goes on. Now he's having a good day uh, until he runs into a guy that owes him some money. And he chooses not to forgive that guy's debt. He chooses to hold it over him and threaten to take action, legal action, I think. And it gets, the word gets back to the king, right? And the king calls the guy in here. I'm sorry, did, on the same day that I forgave your debt, it, do I hear this right? That you, you wouldn't forgive the much smaller debt that somebody owes you? And he, the king sent him away into a place of, of, of weeping and gnashing of teeth. And when I think about, there's another great time to hiss. So I think Guinness Book of World Records needs to be called most hisses in one podcast. Most saliva it's, it's spewed. Tonight. It's tonight. And when I think about the things that I've done and my debt to God that I can't pay, but Jesus forgave me. Jesus paid that price and forgave me. That should also fuel me to forgive others, yeah. regardless of the size of, of the debt, because it, it'd be like this. Could you imagine the debt of, and we've actually talked to somebody uh, before that um, his sister was kidnapped and murdered uh, when she was a little girl. And he has chosen to forgive this individual who's in jail has for that. Has gone and visited, had correspondence Formed a with. relationship. Yeah. yeah. And um, could you imagine the debt of that? Somebody taking your loved one. And yet, it doesn't compare of any of our debt compared to a holy God that is absent of sin. You know, what my, yeah. my one sin has put me in such a debt that nothing that anybody could do to me compares to what I owe God. Mm -hmm. And if he's chosen to forgive me, then that is what should fuel us to forgive others. If I'm not, if I'm not quick to forgive, then where am I? I think I've displaced. So I think about water coming through a tube. If the source of water is God and I'm the tube, 
the water should be coming straight through the tube to pour out and do what it needs to do for other people, right? Sure. So where I'm the catalyst. But if I'm like over here, completely aside from the source of water, then it's pouring straight out and not coming through me. Mm. So if God, in the story, we know that this ruler is the, the king. Right. Right. He's the judge who forgives the debt. That should come right through and pour straight out to the other person who's in this weird, misaligned situation. Mm -hmm. If I'm not pouring out what I've received from God, then I have somehow misaligned myself. I'm not aligned with Christ. Yeah. It's yeah. anti-Christ. Do I want to live that way? No, I don't. So when you put it in those kinds of dire terms too, anti-Christ, whenever you hear that word, you think of uh, probably revelation, but it's like, oh gosh, it's the least thing I want to do. But isn't that interesting? The, the things that we almost become apathetic to that the scripture is trying to point out to us that we don't want it to just go by. Yeah. These are things that I need to address in my life. Right. And like even the I have a family member whose wife was not faithful. She got pregnant. He went so far as to say, we can raise this child together. Hmm. She chose not to stay. But you think about that massive forgiveness. How does one do that? Not apart from Christ. Yeah. Not apart. Yeah. You can't. You can't. Well, the world so, is filled with why? unforgiveness because it's um, what's best for me yeah. and what do people owe me? And you'll have, uh, even sometimes with Christians, the, the, you have friends with the best of intentions no, they're crazy. Yeah. You're, you're in the right because they're friends. But sometimes I am in the wrong and my friends should be telling that, me that I'm in the wrong because that's what a friend does. Yeah. Yeah. I think, do, you, do you want me to tell you? Oh, you're going to tell me something right now? Saying you you chose the, here? You opened the door. Of, okay. Um, <laughs> so I, let's switch gears because I know when we hear forgiveness, it can, it can seem like how on earth would God expect me to forgive and forget and act like everything's okay and have them back in my life? I think that's where a lot of people go. Well, let's separate that forgiveness and not holding it over somebody as opposed to letting them back in and act like nothing ever happened. The, these are two separate things. There's a difference in forgiveness and a restoration of the relationship. And that, uh, you know, obviously in heavy cases of, of abuse or, or anything, there is an opportunity to forgive from afar and, and, but not go back there. Uh, we're not encouraged to just constantly take something. We're encouraged to, I mean, with safety and also holding people accountable. My goodness, here's some, here's some powerful words that I don't think it's talked about much in current day culture. These are the words of Jesus in Luke 17. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then, if there is repentance, forgive. And then, of course, he goes on to the verse we do know. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. And the word rebuke, correction. Correction, yeah. So, I mean, it comes off really harsh. Uh, in Ephesians, Paul, Paul even addresses this and says that it has to be shared in truth and love. Yeah. And we've even kind of talked about that as being the uprights. See, I, I'm learning a little bit more about sports as I live in... Houston. Yeah. But the upright, so one of the goal, one of the goalposts being love, the other being truth. And if God says, I am love, which he does in first John four, and Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life, the two are interchangeable. You can't have one without the other. You can't truly love well, unless you're speaking truth, but you could be spewing truth and it's not received in love. Mm. You have to have the balance. Otherwise you're not making the goal. Yeah. 
And so it's really important when you're when you have a person that you are trying to help, you are in the wrong here. Yeah. There's a way to do it. And and so I think sometimes we hear the word rebuke and that sounds good. That guy needs some rebuke and let me at him. Facebook, you know? I gotta post it. <laughs> yeah. But remembering the balance of truth and love, truth and love sure. always. Yeah. And and that's exactly what Jesus did. And and I think my fear with that, with the day and age that we live in, is that everybody's about love. Everybody's about you do you and we'll embrace whatever you choose. Well, and look at the way we define love. I love pizza and I love you. Right. It's like, well, Separate, yeah. Does that, well, pizza's pretty good. Yeah, right? well, <laughs> no, but we use we use the word love very flippantly, and it can be become almost an empty thing that we say. Yeah, that is true, and and so love also looks like telling somebody if you know the bridge is out ahead, telling so you don't want to inconvenience their day, but. If the bridge is out ahead, you well, might that want to let be, them know. It'd be a little bit inconvenient. It's a little bit inconvenient. And and yet, if you love somebody well enough, and that's what's hard. That's what I don't do well. We're talking about the friend conversation. I also don't do well when my friends are whatever they're doing. And I tend to say, oh, man, oh, they're the one. You know, your boss is the one that has the problem or your neighbor is the one that has the problem. Instead of saying, no, I man, I think you have the problem in this situation. Well, it's hard to say. The world, I think, looks at that as support. Yeah, because we do want to support. But, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, a back support isn't comfortable. It's necessary some mm. days. Oh, yeah, yeah. But if you, like, I don't know if that analogy runs with anybody here, but if you have a brace in place, it's supposed to help make corrections. It's not going to necessarily feel comfortable. Sure. But the end result will be. And so there may be days where you're the, you know... The brace that you had to wear in middle school that's connected to your... Or the headgear. <laughs> Did you ever see Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion? I didn't see that one, She no. wore that and they put magnets on it. It was really sad because it was metal. <laughs> anyway, I'm not remotely recommending that movie, by the way. Well, thanks for bringing it up. Two hours of life I can never get back, actually. Um, one thing I want to say before we, we take some questions. Um, I really got encouraged this, with, with this the other day. If you are, you feel like you're hitting a, uh, a roadblock, and this could go with maybe a family member or a coworker or a friend that doesn't know Christ, uh, or take this with whatever you're struggling with right now. If you feel like you're not making a difference, I was really encouraged by the fact that Jesus may have felt this way too. A pastor shared this, uh, I mean, reminded, you may know about the time that Jesus went to his hometown and was basically kicked out. They said, we don't want anything to do with the, the crazy stuff that you're doing. And of course he says, you know, a prophet is never welcome in his hometown. But if you realize, remember that Jesus is fully God and fully human. And could you imagine how heartbreaking that would be to go share what he knows is true, that he's the Messiah to the people he grew up around mm -hmm. and they reject that. And it was such a good reminder that what we're called to is not results, but it's faithfulness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so keep praying for that person and yeah. keep being kind to that neighbor because it's, you're going to bang your head against the wall <laughs> over and over sometimes in whatever the obstacle is, whether it is a person or a, a, just a situation. But faithfulness is what we're tasked with. Ah. We don't have to. God will handle the results. It was the faithfulness of Abraham that yeah. got a lot of balls rolling there. Yeah. Um, it's also something that I was thinking about. You talked about the humanity of Jesus and something that I 
tend to skip over in my mind because I think of the deity of Jesus so much, but it's the humanity of Jesus that allows us to realize he can empathize with us on every single level, right, as it tells us in Hebrews. And I, I think there were those moments where, like, you make tea and you put the kettle on the, the stove and you turn it up. What happens to the kettle when it gets really hot is... Whistles. Whistles. We are all kettles. When we, our feet are to the fire and people are on our nerves and it's just the last straw, we will go off. Mm. And I know that Jesus himself experienced kettle moments, but he never went off. Mm. Yeah. So how do you get to that place? Well, if you take the kettle off before it starts whistling, then it cools off. So you have to know boundaries. I think when you talk about like, if you're in the weeds with people and you're loving them well, perhaps you do community service or you're volunteering or you work at church or whatever it is, you're like, I am trying to love my neighbor well. Maybe it's not even you to, maybe it's not even a volunteer basis. I'm just going to work. I'm just trying to do life here. Yeah. I am trying to love these people around me well. But they, mm, the heat, <laughs> the whistling in my head. And what did Jesus do every day? He had to remove himself from the situation. He knew his own boundary. He knew his limitations. Isn't that a weird thing to say that the son of God, who was God, knew that in his human flesh, he did have limitations. Mm. And so he knew he had to get away and he spent time with his heavenly father every day. And if that isn't is, that isn't word to my life about how I need to be living, sure. making sure I take myself off the burner every once in a while to cool off, that's so important. Otherwise, I'm not going to love people well. I'm trying to love you. <laughs> so I'm hearing, I'm hearing read your Bible, but also take your PTO. Um, <laughs> get away from those people sometimes. And if you don't have PTO, maybe you're like, oh, well, that sounds nice, but I don't have that situation. I don't have that luxury. It doesn't even take but a few seconds to do that breathing. God has designed us so intricately. There is, there's something scientific, but also something very spiritual that he has ignited in us with just the ability to breathe in and breathe out. And as I do it, just think of Jesus, breathing him in, mm. in those moments, if I need to get away to do it. So if you're mad at a person, you just go <laughs> in front of them. That they may connect the dots. Yeah. Did I do something? No, fine, it's fine, it's fine. But All right. Anyway. All right. We would love to hear from you. Um, so to person number one, who is it going to be? Who is it? You? Oh, right here. Yay. Okay. All right. All right. Give her a hand. Oh, and I like her sweater. You're really cute. And what is your name? My name is Allie. Hi, Hi Allie. Hello. So you guys talked about, and first of all, I was furiously typing because you guys had such some, you know, some really great things, but um, you were talking about when you forgive and or when you when you say in love and that person is repentant and, um, you know, it's it's easier to forgive. Right. How do you rationalize or how what are some suggestions you make for the person who Me. is not yeah. <laughs> repentant? Right. Who, okay. you know, yeah. is is doesn't care doesn't sure. <laughs> doesn't care if they're forgiven and doesn't have any kind of repentance. And I mean. I know the answer, like I know no, the answer, no, I know but I do. also, I think it, it's an interesting thing to talk about is how yeah. do you, you know, how do you approach that? And, and what do we as Christians do with that? And how do we move forward? 
Yeah. So Allie, if you, you ever do the thing, by the way, I'm sitting here, I'm like so excited to talk, and then I'm like, oh, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Try not to. I heard that. Yeah. So thank you for grace yeah, and forgiveness thank you. for that. Uh, and if you didn't hear, so to somebody that is, uh, we talk about forgiveness to somebody who uh, is repentant and comes back and says, I'm sorry, but what about to the person? How do we act to the person who uh, doesn't do that? Who doesn't repent? Yeah. So. I was just driving to work the other day, and thankfully there was no police officer. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> screaming at me. But uh, I just had this, this thought. There were people clearly, as they were murdering Jesus, they had no idea what they were doing. Right, right. And the grace that Jesus ushers in the moment for those people. Now, it's not necessarily all the people who were doing it, because maybe there were some who knew exactly what they were doing mm. um but the ones that he said that don't know father forgive them and so ali the whole th ever before me thinking that i know a person's story really i'll never really know right and i'm still working so hard on my own story and the internal work that i do on myself and trying to figure out wait do i do this and when you discover these things about yourself over time you're I wasn't even aware I was this stubborn. Carter, why didn't you tell me? You know, <laughs> tried. <laughs> you're, ever you're ever discovering who you are. So to assume that I know who that guy over there is and their whole story, Jesus says, stay away from that. Um, to judge not lest ye be judged by the very judgment that you're throwing on that person, right? And one of the things that he does in motion, it's not like he's asking us to do this without doing it himself, right? Mm, right. It's, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He was talking to a very distinct amount of people right there in that moment. And somehow there's even like a conversion on the spot with the Roman guards saying, oh, my gosh, this guy was the son of God. Right. I mean, there was a moment where like it's with clarity. It's like a, blinders are taken off. And so the hope is that your commitment to grace your forgive your forgiveness and just it doesn't mean that you're not going to feel what you feel and in in the pain is still very there but hopefully it's starting to scar over yeah um and anyway well and it, it obviously depends on the situation i mean right because oh, sure. i've heard such great wisdom and if it's a marriage you know uh if they won't go to counseling you go to counseling you know to if they won't go to counseling with you work on it as as hard and as best as you can but somebody was going over recently about the, uh, the, if you've ever gone over the church discipline, you know what it says to do? I mean, kick people out of the church, you know, depending on what they're doing. And it's like, what on earth? Could you imagine? Could you imagine nowadays if anybody actually did that where, I mean, Channel 2 would be down at the church <laughs> saying they kicked somebody out of church. And, and yet it is for people that are approached and saying what you're doing is wrong. You're in the midst of, I mean, the example is given, you're in the midst of an affair and you're, you're choosing to continue in it. What we're going to do, Paul says, don't even eat with that person. Now, I got great clarification on this because what that generally meant for that time is, well, the church would gather and eat after they had church. And what he's saying, don't commune as a church because what we want to do is show them you're not acting like the body of Christ, so we're removing you from that. But as an individual, you know, it's like if, if, if a, a small group or a church, you know, gives up on somebody, if you will, or lets them kind of do their thing, that doesn't mean we can't individually 
you know, meet up with that person and continue, especially if they're in your family already and you're just seeing it Thanksgiving. That doesn't mean we don't continue in it, but there is an element, again, pending on the situation of it's okay to also remove yourself from that situation if there's certainly abuse or, or anything like that going on. But it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. That's a really good question. Uh, okay, next Ali. question. Ali. Woo, woo. Okay, and we have two more of these boxes, so you'll get you'll get one of these. Uh, no pressure. If you have a really bad question, I want to hear from you too. Yeah, a really bad question. Really. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Do you like pink or blue cotton candy? Um, <laughs> we'd answer, but only if you ask it, and you'll get one of these boxes. That's um, a great bad question. Don't answer the question until somebody asks it. Uh, All the same. Okay, number two. And if there's not, that's fine. That's, that's totally really okay. fine. We've enjoyed you coming out tonight. But we have about 10 minutes to fill if, if, you, if you want. Perhaps not a question, but perhaps a, something you've recently witnessed. That was a great example of loving your neighbor. Um, yeah. You know, I don't mean to embarrass Debbie, but Debbie has been in a KSBJ a, a couple. Well, she's been in there once, but we've, we've had some correspondence with her. And Debbie's here tonight, and she is one of those amazing people that wants to love people well by bringing in puppy dogs. She brings the puppy dogs to comfort, whether it's, I, I'm assuming you've gone into schools as well that have experienced problems um, where there's been violence. Uh, so she, the doggies come in and they just bring that, I mean, like doggies do, right? Not the yapping ones, these are the cutesy ones. And she'll bring them into the hospital bed, beds and, and the, the patients who might even be on their last leg. It's, this is an opportunity for her to seed into their life and to love them well. And I thought it was really awesome because I did not know this about her before, but she's visiting, and if you'll be in prayer about the, the next couple of days, she's gonna be visiting with two patients who it seems like they very may well not live past the week. Um, so she's gonna be talking with them about Jesus and bringing in that puppy dog, Sam, the collie, yeah. the mini collie. And I think it's, it's really amazing that the reason why Debbie is there now is because she shared, I had the brain tumor. Hmm. I, I have been brought through that passage place. I'm, I'm now on the other side of it, but now I'm going to the people that are experiencing what I've experienced. And I thought, what yeah. a great testimony yeah. to why would God allow this pain in my life? Why would God allow this hurt in my life? And I can love people well because I know what it feels like. That's, that's, well, that, a that's, great that's part of it. We actually just, uh, so Debbie. yeah, yeah, absolutely. We just um, uh, did a, a future podcast episode with Matt Marr today and talking about why people are leaving the faith. And he said, I think when we've hit suffering, we've done a bad job in American culture and Christianity of saying you must be doing something wrong if you're suffering and you must be really holy if you're blessed and rich. And that is so just not scriptural. And yet it's just been prevalent out there. And so as we see a lot of people in this, if you've heard of deconstruction or the ex-evangelical movement of saying, either I choose not to go to church or, or all the way to I'm a full-out atheist. Um, because there is, they once went to the church, They right? once went to That's church, That's what yeah. defines ex-evangelical? They yes. were in church. You were now. an evangelical, and now you now are not. Now I don't believe. Um, and it is this realization that my expectation didn't meet what I was told. And that's what's unfortunate because scripture doesn't say that. Scripture says there's going to be hard times as believers in Jesus. And so when we all of a sudden, my whole life, my expectations are not met because I've been doing everything right and I get a disease, whoa, then there must not be a God. That, that's where a, a lot of culture is going. How and can so this be good? I, how can this be good? And so I think that ties in so well of embracing the suffering, embracing the pain, 
and then choosing to see it as a reason or maybe just recognizing it as the reason mm-hmm. so that we can love others in the same situation in the oh future. Oh my word. I mean, who so. better than Debbie to go into that room? I don't, I've never dealt with a tumor yeah. like that. I've yeah. never experienced that. So I can go into a room where I've maybe I've experienced and in your pain may look different, your wounding or whatever God has brought in healing into there is purpose in pain. And if we allow God to present what that purpose is because he's allowed it to touch your life, then the, I mean, it's endless. The possibilities that he could use that to promote peace mm. in the midst of storms. How can you, how can you know what true peace is unless there's a storm? Sure. You yeah. never know. You would just be like, oh, it's always great. Yeah. Yeah. But you wouldn't even know how to define great because there isn't anything to, you know, oppose it. Yeah. So you, uh, there are reasons why we go through what we go through and certainly to extend that place of, of hope and things that can bond us together and make that person, oh my word, that is my neighbor right there, specifically because of what we've experienced. It's yeah. a great way to love people. So, uh, last call. You won't yes, get the red yes, light. Oh. Absolutely. Come on up. Give a round of applause. And we may have time for one more after this if you're kind of on the fence right now about uh, asking a question. I mean, so it's a lot when you're standing up in front of a group of people you worked all day. You're like, yeah, yeah. What, what's doing? your name? Joy. Joy. Hi, Hello. Joy. And uh, I just, I, I grew up my whole life and I always was told I live up to my name. Yeah. But yeah. in the last year, I've, I've really struggled. Yeah. And I struggled through some things that that were hard and I didn't understand and you were saying that there's always a reason why things happen and I hmm. I just got through and somebody who kind of helped me through this on the way here said I'm struggling and she she's worse than I was oh and I'm like you know I I I don't get exactly where she's at but I know that God brought me through this yeah. and put us together yeah so that I could kind of understand where she's at a little bit. And, you know, you just never know why, why things are going on. Right. But, no. but they always point to things that are, that can help yeah. you later. It comes down to faith. Yeah. You can read all you want with paper, but it really does come down to what do you believe? And unfortunately, I think that's where we struggle in communicating with people who have chosen to not believe, to be atheist, to, um, because it, it, to me, I think, thank you, Joy, so much. Yeah, thank you so much. And she gets one of the boxes. There yeah. You go. yeah. I think people like Lee Strobel who are of analytical mindset that they need the, they need the proof so they can get to the place to leap of faith, if that makes sense. Sure, sure. They're awesome for those folk who just give me some evidence here. And then when he starts pulling evidence left and right, well, you're like, oh my word, there's more evidence stacked in favor of God right. than there is against him. I'd be crazy not to believe after I look at the evidence. But I think honestly, where true relationships start, it has to be a supernatural situation. So that person that you were talking about praying for, the prophet not being welcome in his own hometown, maybe it's that family member. They just won't listen to you. Yeah. It really might have to be, a, it. It's a Holy Spirit thing because they've already made up their mind more than likely. Mm -hmm. Right. They've already arrived to that place. And so when you have this, when you allow God in and you, you in the midst of pain, joy are just deciding, making choices. I'm going to choose joy. There you go. 
in the midst of all of this, even though I don't understand the why of it, that does not make sense to anybody with a world mindset. Yeah. It makes zero sense. They're not going to understand, well, look at what your God didn't do. That's what you're going to get. And so not to be frustrated with those types of people, I have to, I have to usher in that grace and say, you just don't get it. Yeah. No, usher in grace and say, maybe they just haven't had that moment yet. They haven't had the Roman centurion experience yet of, oh, my word. He really is the son of God. Well, and, and to your friend's point there in, for all of us, uh, there is a big difference in empathy and sympathy. Yeah. And to when you've ever had, probably all have somebody say, I know what you're going through. And you're like, no, 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 I don't think you do. You haven't been there. And the fact that you have to some degree, and it will mean so much to her. Um, oh, gosh, and and yeah. the, the relatability factor. Yeah, I think you you're know. vulnerable enough to open up. Like yeah, that. yeah, absolutely. Uh, one more time? Time now or one more? One more. Last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want it? Will you come over here and make the comment? Would you get mind? Up, yeah. Debbie, get up, Debbie. Get up. Are we? Are we? Oh, that yeah. was weird. Uh, yeah. It was all weird. I'm sorry. So, um, the con it's not a question, but we also take the dogs into Freedom Place, which is a group that um, uh, it's 13 to 18 year olds that have been rescued from sex trafficking. Hmm. Yes. So we take them in there, and we're doing like a weekly Bible study. And my term uh, to teach one time was on forgiveness. And so um, our pastor had just the Sunday before taught about forgiveness and he talked about Lisa Terkus and he mm -hmm. says, because people are visual, some people need this, a visual reminder of what forgiveness is. So he gave me um, the image, he says, you take what you need to forgive and you write it on a piece of paper. Then you take just a white piece of paper. Then you take a red piece of paper that is bigger than the white paper and you tell them this is the blood of Jesus that's covered it. Yeah. Hmm. And so it's a visual, it's visual. about yeah. forgiveness. So wow. And now it's that's probably cool. always in your mind. Whenever it is. It is. Because those girls are very, very broken. And yeah. forgiveness is very hard for them. But to give them a visual of what forgiveness is. So good. Hmm. That's really good. Yeah, and Put that in really the puppy dog love. Well, of yeah, course. Yeah. Of course that. Well, it's so important what she just shared so that we're never callous in trying to share what forgiveness looks like to us because it can be so painful. Yeah, um, yeah, that's very true. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you so for being awesome. a part of this series. The How to Love series is officially wrapped up, but we'll have Matt Marr uh, very, on very soon and continuing the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. And I can't, I was told I can't give all the details, but we have another one of these opportunities coming up and we will have a KSBJ artist. Can I say? Oh, no, I no, say. we can't say. But what if I, I asked specifically beforehand? If I just said. No, no, this is what you do. You give you give it away with your little hint and you just say his old name. That's what, <laughs> you can't, don't do it. All right, fine. All right, give yourselves a round of applause before Rochelle ruins it. Thank you for being here. The Anything But Quiet Time podcast.